Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Donkey Donkey Connection, the podcast with Dave, and I talk all things professional wrestling. Wrestling. This is episode number 74, and we are going to be recapping NXT TakeOver, Stand and Deliver, and NXT UK Prelude. Phew. Boy, was it a busy, wow. but exciting past two nights of professional wrestling. What a three episode stretch for NXT basically yeah. putting their stamp on it saying we are the predominant wrestling promotion mm-hmm. within the United States and Europe mm-hmm. absolutely so, crushed all three of these events all three of yeah. them were poof, next level From- from from the actual wrestling, including the musical performances at both night one and night two. Nina Strauss on uh night the one Star Spangled Banner on yep. night one. And, and Poppy's, Poppy's performance on Stand and Deliver. Night two. Unbelievable. Oh my gosh. And 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 it's not just the performances in the ring. We're gonna talk about that. Oh yeah. It's it's the psychology the story building the exclamation points put on stories yeah i can think of two in particular and both of them were night two but two stories in particular that had those exclamation points that were put at the end and there were little nuances throughout the course of each of those matches Mm -hmm. that helped continue to build the story within the match before it actually hit its peak yep but we're going to start on night one. Night one opened with a pre-show match between Zoe Stark and Tony Storm. Great match between these two ladies. And this builds for the women's division because the women's division is evolving again. Yes, it is. Because, yes, it is. because our graduating class of the women's division, Io Shirai, but we'll get to that in a little bit. But... Our women's division has been changing oh, like more and more and more lately because Rhea Ripley has now moved on. Bianca Belair moved on last year. Mia Yim. Now Io Shirai, potentially. We need to f- backfill this division. Yes, we did just get the returning Ember Moon and Tony Storm, but we need to build new names as well. Yep. Zoe Stark is one of those names that's being built. And I, the best part about this match is that it doesn't hurt Tony Storm at all. Not at all. Because it was one of those things where this victory did more to lift Zoe Stark than, than it did to take to down Tony Storm. Tony Storm. Tony Storm can recover from this. And I think yeah. if we get a nice little feud between these two, and not necessarily 50 50 booking, because you got to remember, Zoe Stark won this with a roll up. She surprised yeah. roll up out of a Storm Zero. So mm-hmm. if it's one of these things where Tony Storm wants to face her again, and then Stark gets a definitive victory over her with an actual finishing move, then I think that moves Stark into that picture mm-hmm. of facing your Dakota Kai's, of facing your Candice LeRae's to get to Eric Hel Gonzalez if that's what they see. Personally, mm-hmm. I think the next person to go up against Raquel Gonzalez is Mercedes Martinez. I can agree. That's definitely someone I th- who could. I think they want to revisit that whole Goliath's yeah. clashing thing again. I can agree with that. Um, it is Mercedes Martinez the right person to take the belts off? I don't know. She's a I veteran. I think Io there. is. 
You think Io's the one to take the I belt think, back? Dude, I have a feeling something in my gut. I mean, we have we're getting way ahead of ourselves because this yes. is the main event. But we will discuss it when we get there. Let's continue to talk about the fact that, you know, Storm looks like she's gonna continue to move mm-hmm. forward in this division. Maybe they'll move her back to the UK. Maybe maybe we'll do something along those lines. But yeah. I, I really like what Zoe Stark did in this match. I love the story building elements. I love how they're going to be pushing Stark a little bit. And obviously, we get the vignettes talking about um, Frankie, Monet Frankie Monet coming in. So let's see what this women's division is really going to have over mm-hmm. these next couple of weeks. The, I'm the, excited. The, I'm really one excited. Of, one of the strongest divisions in all of professional wrestling is the NXT women's division. Yeah, top to bottom. Top to bottom. Uh, moving on to the first match of the main card, technical wrestling showcase, technical wrestling masterpiece between Pete Dunne and Kushida. I don't even know what to say. This is one of those matches you have to just turn it on and just shut up and just Literally, watch. Shut up and pay attention. Just pay attention. It so, was a so masterclass. This here is when, if someone goes to wrestling school for the first time and the, the lesson plan that day is Matt Wrestling. This is the match they show. Oh, 100%. Because Matt Wrestling, technical work, holds, um, joint manipulation, yep. top to bottom. These two guys are, in my opinion, number one and number two technical wrestlers in the world right now. Oh, man. Uh, that's tough because there's some really good technical wrestlers, and we're going to talk about one of them on night two of th- of this Stand and Deliver event. Um, and, I mean, there's even people in the UK that we don't talk enough about, from Tyler Bate and Noam Dar to Ilya Dragunov. There's plenty mm-hmm. of guys who can hold their own in the ring. But the fact that Kashida answered the call to this challenge about Dunn saying he's the best technical wrestler in the business um, was awesome, in my opinion. The transitions into hoverboard locks in this match were incredible. incredible. He did the Spanish fly hoverboard lock off the top rope that Dunn then transitioned into a pin, but because there was so much pressure on his arm, Dunn had to break his own pinfall attempt up by putting his feet on the rope so the referee would stop the three count because then Dunn's feet would be on the rope, so that means Kushida would then have to, have break, to break the, the hold. Pin, or Dude, break the hold. It was incredible. And the fact that Dunn just kept singling out the fingers in the hands and doing the stomps on the hands were, mm-hmm. was the eventual downfall to, to Kushida because eventually he just couldn't do things because he Dunn had just done to the so much damage to his hands. And and then it's the cockiness at the end of the match where Dunn just stands there. He all just sh- stands there just kind of shrugging. like Just shrugging. Because that happened. Like, okay, who's next? Just so good. So good. It's going to be really tough to pick a match of the night from night one. Oh, without a doubt. Because top to bottom, there are just percentages of points. I can can honestly say that this entire show, when when I say the entire show, I mean like night one, night two, there was not a single match that missed. No. Including no. pre-show matches. No, exactly. And if we're going to break it up night one, night two, I mean, if we're going to separate the two nights, 
which we will do at the end of this, there is a difference between the two nights, mm-hmm. but I also think there's a difference because of the way the cards were set up and because of the in-ring psychology, which mm-hmm. kind of slowed certain matches down. Mm-hmm. But God, man, Dunn Kushida was so good. I, I yeah. want to see more from these two. I just don't know if that's the direction they're going to go with. Yeah, so, exactly. I, I just want to see Kushida continue to get these pushes that he's been getting. Mm-hmm. And obviously Dunn, who surprisingly in his entire wrestling career has never had a five-star match. Yeah, no. Um, He's he's due for one. Uh, d- duh, this one just happened. Should have been. I don't know yeah. what the hell was missing, to be honest with you. But I think this was a four and a quarter. Whatever. I this is what I got. Dumb. So, great match. Uh, yeah. Again, j- just sit there and watch the psychology throughout the course of this match. Again, the Spanish flies into the hoverboard lock are incredible. Like, And, and they hit them so seamlessly. Like there's mm-hmm. like almost no effort involved. Yeah. And the and the thing is, is it's like Dunn, what's that move that Dunn hits on the outside? Where he like he goes for like that vertical suplex, but he releases the guy, so he hits his back on the uh on the apron of the ring. I don't oh. know what they call that. Yeah, but I don't know what they call that. That seems either. to be like his go to move when he needs to swing the momentum his way. Cause when he hit Kushida with that, it changed the entire match. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> Moving on to the match that shocked me. Yeah. In terms of outcome? this is a multi-man. No, not because of outcome. Yes, because oh, come, of outcome. Because we yeah, thought I was about to say, some, we, it was going to have this guy coming out. But it's a multi-man match. It's a weird gimmick being a, a an almost elimination chamber without the elimination chamber. Yep. But. So many interlocking storylines in this match. We're, we're going to talk about storylines a lot tonight. Yeah, yeah. So many interlocking storylines and so much building out of this. Yes. So they came into these matches with storylines kind of already weaved. And then they came out of these matches with completely different weaving storylines. Yeah. They transitioned stuff around at such a rate, so incredibly, that it's like, Wow. You don't need to have these dust-ups inside the ring or these brawls backstage. If you do these types of matches right, mm-hmm. like you can come in one way and come out a completely separate way. So yeah. you come into this match. The six contestants are Scott, Ruff, Reed, Grimes, Loomis, and Knight. Okay, Loomis is dealing with the way. Yep. Cameron Grimes is all about the money. Knight and Reed are battling back and forth. And, and Ruff then you and got Scott, Scott and Ruff who are having it out. Within this match, we revisit Grimes and Loomis. Okay? Mm-hmm. Lo- Grimes is so scared he exits the ring. Yep. We get the storyline in which Grimes tries to pay off Swerve Scott. Yep. To beat the crap out of Ruff. Knight and Reed only have the briefest of encounters in this match because Knight goes and screws over Dexter Loomis now for the second time mm-hmm. in as many events. And then Loomis chokes him out at the end of night being eliminated by Bronson Reed. Mm-hmm. You then also get Scott and Reed facing off against each other, which is something that would be a great program for the both of them. Mm-hmm. And then Scott double crosses Grimes. Mm-hmm. Like... So we this have mid card division. We have three brand new storylines going into NXT starting on Tuesdays. And we that have doesn't Reed even versus include, the way. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. We have Reed versus the way, Loomis and Knight, and Scott and Grimes. Yeah. 
three immediate new storylines there. Ruff yeah. will be put in some other storyline somewhere else, maybe continuing against Scott, being the face in that little little trio. Yeah. But we come in with one thing, we come out with something exactly opposite. And, and we, it all worked great. It all worked great. And it ended Loomis's against the way storyline that started Reed's against because we had it. The Loomis storyline would just go through the whole thing. Yes. But now Loomis is preoccupied with LA Knight, yep. which is going to be so much fun. Dude. Because I, LA the way Knight, LA Knight runs everybody down coming LA into Knight the ring was incredible. Doesn't, LA Knight does not shut up. Loomis does not talk. Yep. So all we get is LA Knight promos for the entire thing and Loomis hitting with the hit him with the silence. Yep. Yeah. I'm so so happy with the way this match went even though you and I were dead wrong with the outcome. Yeah. We completely forgot about Bronson Reed. He is the beast in this match. Oh, the he colossal. came out on he so, came out on top. I, um he was incredible in this match. The I told spot this, the spot you go, go, ahead, ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. All right. I, I'm talking so, a lot. So there's one thing. I told this to Meredith when I heard while I was watching it. There was one thing that they said that the crowd started chanting that as soon as it's on a t-shirt, I'm buying it. Okay. And it's Thick Boy season. Oh, Thick Boy. Yes. It's it's his new... It's going to be his new motto. It's got to be on a well, shirt. He calls thick himself boy Thick season. Boy already. I know, but it's he. It's the he's the colossal. He's the Thick Boy. Uh, yeah. Thick Boy Bronson Reed. But they started chanting "Thick Boy Season," okay, because it's his time to play. His time to play. So as mm-hmm. soon as that comes out on a shirt, I'm buying it <laughs> immediately. Because okay. myself being a thick boy, it fits. So let me ask you this: in the entirety of this match, what's the spot that sticks out to you? Um, I I want to say the tsunami at the end, but. My spot actually didn't have anything to do with any eliminations or whatever. Okay. It was immediately after LA Knight was eliminated where Loomis is just sitting on the floor putting LA Knight to sleep. That is the one thing I continuously remember. Swerve Scott giving Bronson Reed a power slam off the top rope onto the apron of the ring. Okay, yeah, I do remember that. Holy shit. Yeah. Like, I know Scott is like one of them tweeners where he's just out of the cruiserweight division but sometimes can fall into the cruiserweight division depending on Mm -hmm. like how he's cut and stuff and what diet he may be on. For him to hoist and shoulder Bronson Reed, obviously Reed's got to help him out. There's no way he's he's deadlifting that guy like that. But... I thought he was going to miss the apron for a minute and he was going to go crashing to the floor. Yeah. And then there was another spot with Loomis getting his leg caught up in the rope. Did you see that? Yeah, it was scary. Dude, the way his leg like twisted, it bent like an elbow. I was like, oh God, I'm feeling knee pain right now from running. And I felt knee pain from just watching that spot. Yeah. But Reed comes out on top. He gets to go tonight too to face the champion Johnny Gargano, which Johnny we'll Gargano. get to that soon. Moving on to my match of night one. 
I'm going to agree with you. I, I'm going to agree with you that this is the match of the of the night one, but it's very close to Volter, a couple of contenders. Champa. I've seen some people on Facebook downplaying Volter as an in-ring wrestler, <sighs> as a wrestler in general. But Big that's mistake. because they don't understand who Volter is. Volter comes into a match only bringing his stature and his his in-ring psychology to intimidate the opponent. He comes in with no strategy because he then studies his opponent throughout the entire match to determine what it's going to take to take them out. Ooh, I think of him so much differently than you do. See, Volta is the ultimate ring strategist. That is why he is the ring general. I, I'm not saying he, he's not a strategist. I'm saying he develops his strategy as the match goes on. No, no. He comes into his match with a sole strategy. He has alternating plans off of that strategy, but his strategy is his right hand, and he's going to punish people with his right hand. This is the first time that we've had to see Volta alternate off of that strategy in the middle of a match because somebody took it away from him. So here's where my thought kind of changes is where it kind of develops dependent upon the person he's facing. With Champa, Champa's he's not a small guy, but he's significantly smaller than Volter. Yeah. And he, when he was getting hit with the right hand chops, he was really getting hurt with that at the beginning of the match. But again, super early into the match, it's not gonna change. It's not gonna affect uh, Champa to the point where it's gonna make him be pinned. When Walter can't use that le- right hand, his chops are not doing enough. But when he says, "You know what? Fuck it," and does the right hand chop to finish the match, that's him be- using his entire power to win the match. When we come to the Ilya Dragunov match a few months back, that match ended with a diving with the uh splash because what did it with a sleeper okay sleep okay so that's because none of his other moves could keep Ilya down the 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 chop couldn't the the power bomb couldn't the splash couldn't so he's like this guy won't go down unless i make him go down okay and puts him to sleep all right so we're, we're actually having a real back and forth here because this is the first time that I can feel that we haven't agreed on something. And I love this because I totally look at the other way. Champa took Dragunov's offensive game plan and put it against Volta because Dragunov's the first one to truly challenge Volta this entire time. Okay? So Ilya's game plan was just come right at Volta. As fast as you can, hit him as hard as you can. Just keep coming at him, keep coming at him, keep coming at him. It wasn't until Volta ended up throwing Dragunov into the rope and Dragunov's neck snapped back. That completely changed that match. That's where everything stopped. And then that's when Volta just kept hitting him with hard shot after hard shot after hard shot. And once the pace of the match slowed down to where Volta is at his strongest, which isn't slow, it is a fast pace, but it's just a brutalizing pace. That's when he realized, okay, I'm going to choke this guy out. This guy's not going to allow me to pin him. I'm just going to choke him out. Mm -hmm. Where it changed 
with Champa was Champa came after him right away to show I'm not afraid of you. I don't care that you're the ring general. I really don't. I am, you know, who I am. I've proven myself over all these years of being the most dangerous man in NXT. I've taken out my own best friend. I've come back from neck surgery. I'm not afraid of anything. And he comes at him and he comes at him. And when you say the right hand didn't affect Champa from the start, I'm telling you, the way they set up this match was perfect because Champa got hit with that first right, and this match was over at that point. But because Champa was near the ropes, Volta didn't go for a pin. See, that's in-ring psychology. That is how you tell a story in the WWE. And when you have someone like Volta, that's where the little nuances happen. So Volta couldn't go for a pinfall because he was too close to the ropes and he knew Champa was going to get his foot on the ropes. So he's not going to waste his time with that. So he gets Champa to the outside. Then the match flips. When Volta Walter goes for a chop and practically destroys the announce table, yeah. in turn destroying his hand. Mm-hmm. So now Champer is on the upper hand, pun intended, because Volta can't use his predominant side. He can't use his right. So he's going after him with the left, going after him with the left. Champa is now where Volta was against Dragonoff. He is hitting him with everything. Uh, widow's bells. He's hitting him with avalanche uh, drops. He's hit him with everything he possibly could, and Volta won't stay down. Mm-hmm. At this point, Volta is now getting his his wind back. Volta realizes, wait a minute, I'm going to have to use my hand, but I've got to weaken Champa some way somehow. And that's where the does neck- the neck twist. When he does the neck twist, knowing that Champa has a bad neck change the entire match he hits him with the power bomb he folds him up and puts all that pressure back on champa's neck and upper back yeah champa kicks out but how much strain does that put in champa mm-hmm. right at that point he throws him against the ropes nails him with the most devastating chop he's hit since at the beginning of the match when he hit champa coming off the ropes the first time and that ended the match Volta's in-ring psychology starts from before he ever goes in the ring. He knows what he's going after because he knows what his strength is. Okay. He allows his opponent to come at him. When Champa came at him the same way Dragunov came at him, Volta's like, all right, I'm just going to beat this guy into submission the way I wanted to beat Dragunov into submission. And if he doesn't do it, I'll choke his ass out. When Volta ended up getting hurt, that flipped the script of this match. Okay, Th- That is where the, where, where the psychology Volter, of this where match... Where at that point, Volta oh, had man. to flip his psychology and say, okay, I can't okay. use this now. Where yes. do I come in? And exactly. you saw with him just using his left, just using his power moves. Champa's it, faced that with other people. He exactly. knows how to fight off against power moves. Yes. Because he once, faced it, he faced it with Cross, and exactly. he wasn't ready against Cross. That's the difference. When he faced yeah. Karrion Cross, he was not ready. That's why it was a squash match. But he has faced big boys before. Mm-hmm. But so then it's not once like it's the net came into play. Yes, that's once when that net came into play. Exactly. That's when Walter took it back up to his. Yep, his and he risked place. he risked that right hand mm-hmm. to put Champa down, and yeah. he put him down. He retained his championship, and he was able to go on and face Rampage Brown. At Prelude as the champion. Yeah. What a match. Yeah. The whole the whole thing. Yes. Bell to bell. Even before yeah. the bell. Yeah. Just the in-ring stuff with it facing off against each other. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Ooh, sends chills down your spine. Moving on to the triple threat match for the 
tag team, the vacated tag team titles. Yes. Between MSK, Grizzled Young Veterans, and Legato Del Fantasma. This could have, if Walter Champa didn't develop, uh, didn't deliver like it did. This could have been match of the night. Yeah, because again, you want to talk about uh, uh, paying off a storyline. Like this paid off. MSK numerous. paid off its storyline one hundred and fifty percent. Like so incredible that MSK comes in, wins the Dusty Cup, deals with the injury. And then gets their opportunity here in this triple threat match. Mm-hmm. And the best part about it is, is it leaves open opportunities for both these other teams, Grizzled Young Veterans and Legato, to then still come back and be like, hey, you know, <coughs> we need to face you one-on-one. Yeah. Then you have the Brit Ambrollers, mm-hmm. who never lost the titles. Yep. And we're going to talk about a couple of teams on night two, on the pre-show, who then have an opportunity to get themselves inserted inside the tag team division. Mm-hmm. Um, I did like how at the end it just came down to GYV and MSK. Nothing yeah. against Legato. Um, Legato had a really good opportunity to win this match coming towards the end, but then they got hit with the Doomsday device. It was a Doomsday um, device, and and then that and off the inc- tops, uh, that su- uh, tope that, kind of thing. That stomp. Yeah. That oh that um, Ra- uh, Raul Mendoza got hit with was ridiculous. Took, but yeah. it took both of them out of the match, and mm-hmm. it left it down to um, GYV and MSK. And again, it it was the right decision to yeah. put over MSK. Yep. MSK coming out of this as the champions. I think they would have came out of it as champions if they fought, if they faced the Brit Ambrollers in a one on one match. It was just the yeah, right I decision. Agree. I agree. Moving on to the main event of night one. It's a shame that this match had to get cut short. Because good, by golly, this was a good match. <laughs> yeah, it was. And, and I think even if it got cut short, I feel like it was almost the right amount of time. Maybe an extra minute or two, but it was just the right amount of time. And we got the things we needed out of it. We got a new champion mm-hmm. who had a great performance. Yep. We got EO jumping off the skull. <laughs> we got EO jumping off something high. Which- yep. Is a requirement and, for an Yoshirai match. And no offense, I think she ate more of that than Raquel. Yeah, she did. Yeah, she, she did. ate way more of that. Yeah. Um, EO hitting the over the moonsault and Raquel kicking out at a clear two, not mm-hmm. a close three, a clear two. Yeah. And then Raquel hitting that one on powerbomb on the outside and then hitting it again inside the ring. Yep. To pin EO one, two, three, clean as a whistle. Mm-hmm. And our new NXT Women's Champion is Raquel Gonzalez. Yep. And, and the nicest part is there was very little interference. Dakota interfered a little bit earlier in the match. Very, very early in the match. And she got kicked three, out pretty four early. minutes into the match. And I'm not going to lie. Part of me like was kind of hoping that we would have gotten a return to stop the interference. And they would have brawled into the back. And I don't oh, know with Kyrie. No, not Kyrie. Tegan Knox. Oh, yeah. I, I'd love to get a return. I don't know what her health status is, but part of me was kind of hoping like when, when Dakota was starting to do her thing, like all of a sudden Tegan Knox comes out of nowhere and basically takes I would have enjoyed that. I would have really enjoyed that. So um 
that was the only thing I think that was missing because it was kind of dumb the way she gets kicked out of ringside. I'm kinda, I kind of hate the way the referees do that. Yeah. But it's between um, her and her. And her. You you're out of here. So it's uh, like a, an, a referee or an umpire throwing a guy out at in baseball. It's, yeah. It doesn't really work for me. So because back in the day, as soon as somebody interferes in a match, the referee used to call for the bell. Yeah. Regardless of that little blip, that little mm-hmm. 10 second blip, this match was incredible. Mm-hmm. This was the way it should go. Um, Raquel's power eventually is what overtook this match. Yep. Um, her determination to make sure that she became champion overtook this match. Yep. And we have a new women's champion. Now, yes, like we, we were do. saying before, you know, Mercedes Martinez can kind of get set up. You know, you get the twin towers facing each other. Um, Obviously, you got the Zoe Stark push happening right now. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens with Tony Storm. You can put Tony in it. You can put Dakota into it too at some point. Yep. Turn I Raquel's ha- face. I have a sinking a suspicion, sneaky suspicion that Raquel is going to be on Raw SmackDown before EO, and EO is going to win that belt back. I have a sneaking suspicion. Remember, Vince I, I hope- likes giants. I know. I hope you're wrong. I ha- hope you're wrong. I have a sneaking suspicion. We shall see. Yes. Moving on to before we get on to night two, we're going to do a recap of NXT UK Prelude. Yeah. It wasn't a takeover. It was a regular NXT UK, but they incl- they it was a, a TV special kind of thing. Yeah. Kind of like what Vengeance Day was. Mm-hmm. Three Let's matches. Let's just start with, with the first match because... I don't know about anybody out here who listens to us. I'm pretty novice when it comes to British wrestling rules and you know some of the tournament style matches that they have. Yeah. This Heritage Cup format is incredible. Yeah, Which I love the fir- it. The first one we saw was between, um, oh my god, what was the first British rules wrestling match that we saw? Why do I feel? Wait, why do I feel it it was um, what's his name? Cassius Ono. Ono versus Sid Scala. That's it. I knew Ono was in it. That's right. That was, but that was the first time we got to see this whole British rules thing, and it was so interesting to see. And Ono kept saying he was going to win because he's the knockout artist. Cassius Ono versus Sid Scala, and this was at. It was just an episode of NXT UK. Yep. I remember this. So the more I'm watching these British rules matches, the more I'm enjoying it. Yeah. And this match was, I mean, first of all, they're treating the Heritage Cup like an actual championship. So A-Kid has got this this Heritage Cup that he won in a tournament. Mm -hmm. And he's already defended it several times. Once already against Tyler Bate. And he's... He basically cut a promo before this match started saying, you know, best of luck to both of them and he can't wait to face the winner and yada, yada, yada. And Taylor, Tyler Bate comes out on top because he scores the first pinfall, excuse me, first pinfall in the first round. Before the first round's over, he rolls up Noam Da, gets a one, two, three, and Noam mm-hmm. Da's completely taken out of this match. He's lost. He doesn't know what the hell's going on. Um, as the match continues, uh, we get a little bit of a little bit more in ring psychology where Noam Das starts working on one of Bates' legs 
And he ends up, I love how Tyler Bate does that. Like where he throws himself into the ropes, mm-hmm. head and neck and shoulders first and bounces back. Bounces back and Noam, the elbow. Yeah. But Noam Dar caught him in a heel hook and slammed him to the mat and then locked him in in a, in a knee lock. And that's how he got his, his off fallback. But we want to talk about Cesaro swings. How about Tyler Bates spins? Yeah. Like he spun Noam Da for, at, I think it was at the end of the third or the fourth round. He spun Noam Da for the last 40 seconds of that round. Mm-hmm. And then for the first 30 seconds of the next round, he spun him again. <laughs> it yeah. was incredible. Um, Tyler Bates comes out on top on this. Uh, he is now the number one contender to face a kid again. Um, I can't wait to see this match. I really yeah. can't. The first and match, especially was, if they put it under British British rounds rule. Well, it's always under British rounds rules. That's the Heritage yeah. Cup rules. So it's always yeah. going to be British round rules, which I, I love. I just want to see someone actually win one of these matches with a knockout. Yeah, because that's how it happens. You can either win two falls, the first of two falls wins, or if you score a knockout, you win the match. Yeah, completely. you win no matter what. So, so you could be you could be down one nothing. Knock your and opponent he, out, and you immediately win. Yeah, correct. You cannot. You could be down one nothing going into the sixth round, mm-hmm. and then with ten seconds left in the sixth round, you could hit it with a knockout, and then the match is over, and you win. Yep. Uh, Moving next on match to on the, the card. Second match was a tag team match between Amelia McKenzie, and formerly Millie McKenzie, uh, and Miko Satomura against Isla Dawn and your NXT UK Women's Champion Kaylee Ray. This is big because this sets up a new feud for Kaylee Ray and Miko Satomura. Yes. Because yes. we get a pinfall of Amelia McKenzie over Isla Dawn in this match. Mm-hmm. And this builds for, I'm going to call her Millie because it's just easier. Millie McKenzie against Kaylee Ray for the title. That's kind of where we saw things coming after Kaylee Ray's last um, feud kind of finished. Yeah, a returning Millie McKenzie found our found herself out there. That's going to set up that one, and now we also have. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's a Joye Valkyrie. Yeah, I believe that's how it's pronounced. Um, she just comes down at the end of this match. She comes down undefeated. She's undefeated in NXT UK, and she comes down and challenges Miko Satomura. Yeah, in the most subtle way possible. All she does is she plucks a feather off out of her, of her coat wings. or whatever. She strokes it. She looks at Satomura and she just lays it on the floor and she just looks at her. It, it, it's so well written. So yeah. well done. Nothing needs to be said. You know mm-hmm. the little nuances. You know Satomura knows that she's gunning for her next. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is going to be fun. This is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, well. Um, now, do you want to talk about something the- that was... I was going to say, you want to talk about something that was a lot of fun, but anything but subtle? <laughs> Well, I was going to say, before we get to something that was a lot of fun and anything but subtle, the promos that they were doing for the next couple of weeks' episodes, first of all, I know we don't talk about NXT UK enough, but I love the the, the dissension into madness that Ilya Dragunov has fallen into since Law yes. into Volta. Yes. The, the little promo package that they did about that, the little vignette package where he's basically just snapping inside the ring and he's just elbowing and kneeing people until they can't continue matches mm-hmm. and how he's hurting his own friends i, I want to see this descent into madness even more i'm yeah, so excited for it i agree but on to abuse and power 
Um, <laughs> yeah, the main event of NXT UK Prelude. Uh, Walter, NXT UK champion against Rampage Brown. If you thought Walter versus Champa was brutal, watch this match. Yeah, and the reason Holy why is because shit. these two guys are pretty close in size, so they can just beat the living piss out of each other. But again, this is where Volta has that in-ring psychology that is completely separate from everybody else. Mm-hmm. He attacks Brown in a different way than he attacked um, Champa. Then he attacked Bait. Then he attacked Don. Then he attacked Dragonoff. Exactly. Because he realizes he's going up against somebody who, at the beginning of this match, was shoulder tackling Volta to the ground because yeah. he was so amped up to mm-hmm. be in this match. And it was it was just power versus power. So what Volta had to do was just withstand He Rampage. had to let Rampage Brown get cooked. Exactly. And, and then, then once he can take Ramp- advantage. Exactly. And it's not like he just allows Rampage to just hit him with all these big moves all the time. What he had to do was he had to have his own offense and he had to be able to defend himself against certain things. Mm-hmm. But when it came time to have the energy to kick out, he had to have that in reserve. This, again, I don't know if there's anybody, uh, there might be one person, we're going to talk about him in a couple of minutes, that in-ring psychology is on the same level as, level as Volta, but I will tell you this much, Volta may be 1B if he's not 1A as far as the in-ring psychology of what he does, the promos he cuts, the ways he enters matches, the way he controls mm-hmm. matches, the way he adjusts in the matches once something happens, it's incredible to watch. It's absolutely incredible. And many kudos to Rampage Brown. He put on oh, yeah. an excellent effort here. He just was not the better man. And mm-hmm. to be honest with you, I don't know who on NXT UK right now is the man to take out Volta because I don't Keyword. see anybody doing it. Keyword on NXT, NXT UK, UK right now. Exactly. I have a, uh, I have a sneaking suspicion of what I would like to see happen. Yeah. But we can do that on a future booking shit show pretty soon. I'm down for that. All right. Now moving on, you were talking about someone who has the one A in ring psychology, and we're talking about Drake Maverick. Yes. This guy 100%. knows how to run a match. Shit. He has Killian Dane brainwashed to power bomb him on people. To win matches. Yep. Yeah. 1A. Best in-ring psychology in the world. Yep. Yep. Drake Maverick, man. Nobody nobody can come close. And he uses himself as his own crash test dummy. Exactly. And now we have new if number you one contenders. If you can't tell our sarcasm. I don't know. I still love Drake Maverick. Oh, I, lo- I love this team. I love that their theme song is this happy-go-lucky thing. But then about... 12 to 16 bars into it, it just becomes metal. Yes. With the whistling in the background. Yep. It's perfect for these two. It's it like is. salt, pepper, day, night, left and right. It's two exact opposites, but they go together. Mm-hmm. And the nice thing is, is with the fact that these guys know the number one contenders, we can start revisiting other storylines with these two. Mm-hmm. We can revisit the Imperium stuff yep. with Alexander Wolf. We can then 
intertwine Timothy Thatcher into this. There's a lot of stuff that we can revisit here, which is why it's great that these guys came out on top. I love Breeze Angle. And I think the fact that they were able to hold the tag team titles for a little bit was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are such sportsmen when it comes to the tag division in the WWE. They are a team that's there to win matches when necessary. But they're also there to put over other teams, to put exactly. over other competitors. They're the yes. elder statesmen of the tag team division. 100%. Elder statesmen. Best way to put it. And they do a great job of it. Mm-hmm. They're like what Cassius Ono was for a while. Yes, exactly. The guy who puts over Matt Riddle in, in mm-hmm. 10 seconds. Yep. Nothing more you could ask of. Mm-hmm. Moving on to the main card. We opened the show with the... NXT Cruiserweight Unification Ladder Match. The match I thought that was going to steal both shows. Yeah. Do we want to talk about entrance gear? Because Santos Escobar <sighs> had some of the best entrance gear I have ever seen. First, he had that balaclava. He had the he had the face gator over yeah. the mask, and it matched perfectly. Yep. He had his cape, and oh, perfect. And I love he just looks like a with, true luchador. Without hesitation, he takes the mask off because he's yep. like, "This is only a gimmick." Yeah, I'm not a luchador. I am a well, not a no. I am a I I I represent the lucha libre, and I am the face that mm-hmm. represents lucha libre, not the mask. Yeah, that's what that was. Mm-hmm. I will say this much. The thing that lost me in this match, as great as this match was, man, the the the, the two moonsaults that the Irish ace hit. Oh in my this match god! The one from the top of the ladder onto was Escobar incredible. was flawless. It was something out of a WWE 2K game. It was yes. that perfect. Yeah, I was like, he's way too close. He's way too close. He's way too I know. close. I know. I thought so too. And then he perfect hit it perfect. Absolutely perfect. It was hard to figure out who you were supposed to cheer for because they're both heels. I mean, I was cheering for Devlin. Because I was cheering for I Devlin because Devlin. I love Devlin. And I wanted Escobar to lose. But then at the end of the match, you have this whole thing with Escobar and his kid at the top of the ramp. Yeah, so. and then I see Escobar winning it. He's holding up both titles. I'm like, yeah, I'm okay with this. I'm not mad. Especially with the way the match rolled. Yeah. Uh, the little bit of involvement with Legato. Was, yeah. was, I think, the perfect touch. Talk about a scary fall. Devlin yeah. took a really scary fall from the top yeah, of that ladder when they pushed it over. His, like, shoulder, as cut, if it was, his shoulder was broken open. Yeah. It almost as if like it wasn't like he wasn't expecting. I, I Maybe they pushed the ladder a little too hard so he didn't have enough time to adjust. Whatever it was, but he fell, he fell fast. He came yeah. down really quick. Um, but again, it's like one of those weird elements like... You, you have these two heels facing off, so it's very hard to figure out who you're supposed to be cheering for. Obviously, people want to cheer for Escobar or people want to cheer for Devlin. But then at the end of the match, you have Escobar mm-hmm. having this family moment at the top of the ramp with his son wearing his mask. Yeah. So it's like, are you trying to turn Escobar? Because I don't think you can because he's such a pompous guy. It doesn't really yeah. work for me. And then and, and you shouldn't because LDF perfect, is a perfect heel faction. Exactly. And just leave it the way it is. And I think... Escobar reaching out to Devlin today 
on Instagram talking yeah. about, you know, thank you for the great match. And you know that Legato's always got, if you ever need a spot, Legato's here for you. Mm-hmm. He shouldn't do stuff like that. He, sh- like, inviting Devlin to be part of Legato doesn't make any sense to me. And I know this is social media and it's something after the match and yada, yada, yada. But I think that, I think that was just them as like competitors. Like a mutual respect thing? Yes. Kind of like... Because no offense, if Legato wants somebody in their corner, then why would they push him off a ladder when he's going for the championship? Yeah, that's kind of like horrible beef leading up to a match, followed by mutual respect. Kind of like what we see. um, One example I think of, Aleister Black versus um, Velveteen Dream. Yeah, but I don't think they ever really squashed that beef, dude. Yeah, but I wouldn't say this is a squashed beef. I'm thinking this is a... Okay, you have a title, you have a title. We need to combine these, make it just one title. That's it. We don't see these guys cross paths again until way down the line. Okay. I just I don't I, just, I don't think I don't this like builds, the element of I don't think this is um like his I don't think this is Santos's next feud against Evelyn. I think this was hey, the COVID restrictions are getting lifted. We can finally we can have Devlin down the back. Line. We can have them come back, have them combine the titles, and then Devlin can do his own thing in the UK. And then when he comes back to NXT Maine for a while, or if he stays for a while, this. we can revisit this. Yes. Okay. It's not something that needs to be done right now. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Well, either way, great Luchador mask. Match. Oh. Great match. Yeah, Cruiserweight match. Yeah. Yes, Cruiserweight. Moving on to the NXT Women's Tag Team Championship match. Probably the scariest spot of the entire yeah. event. When it was Shotzi, right? Oh my. Shotzi it's always Shotzi. When yeah. isn't it Shotzi? Yeah, valid. Shotzi <laughs> sent herself through the middle rope. and Through Ember Moon's legs, by the way. Through Ember, yeah. And Candice, nor Indy. Indy, caught her. Caught her. She went directly into the chain link. Yeah, like. Like, face first, ragdoll, l- you're a little young. So Lita used to do a lot of the same things, and Lita used to bend in, like, the weirdest things, and you always think Lita was going to break. Shotzi is the new Lita, where she looks like she's going to snap herself in half every time she does a move. Because, oh, my God. Shotzi is the, the female version of Ricochet. No, no. Lita was far worse than Ricochet. Really? Far worse. Yeah. Lita ate shit so many times, and you thought, like, her neck... Like, you don't understand how Lita even has a neck at this point with some of the falls that she took. And that's where Shotzi is right now. Shotzi's far worse than Ricochet will ever be. Because, dude, she ate full face that padding. She ate it. Yeah. Nobody caught her. I almost feel like the way that move was supposed to go off was that Shotzi was supposed to go through the legs and then Ember was supposed to springboard off the ropes back onto the group. Mm-hmm. But when everything went sideways, Ember kind of just moved to the top rope and then did a moonsault off the top rope, like to mm-hmm. give everybody a couple of minutes to try to collect themselves. Yeah. Because if you watch the referee in the match, she kind of does one of these like, oh. And immediately runs over to Shotzi. Yeah. Like, ooh, that looked like it hurt. Yeah. But Shotzi got hers back later on in the match. Yeah. <laughs> because that finish was stiff. Yeah, it was. Oh, Indy Hotwell looked like her eyes got blown out of her face when Shotzi landed on her stomach. Mm-hmm. Shotzi hit her full force, full weight off the top rope. Yeah. And knocked 
all the wind out of Indy Hartwell. Mm-hmm. All of it. Wow. I mean, this was a great match. The, the pacing was right. The fact that the heels attacked the faces at the beginning, and then you got that, like, that in-ring psychology where you keep the one person tied to one half of the ring. Then you get the hot tag from Ember. and then um, It was very traditional tag team match. This yes, is what you yes. see in a tag match. But, but it's done very well because we've seen traditional female tag team matches not get worked this well. Yeah. And these four worked this match flawlessly, especially when you consider in this match, your most seasoned wrestler is Candice LeRae. Because mm-hmm. Indy Hotwell is still relatively new to the scene. Shotzi Blackheart is still new, just based on the fact that she just does so much death-defying stuff. And Ember Moon yeah. is just coming back from an injury. Yeah, so, Ember's just coming back, and she's still got some ring rust. Exactly. Um, Her eclipse that she hit on both of them, the double eclipse was incredible as well. Oh, yeah. So this was a very well-paced match. I like the way the psychology went. Another scary moment from Shotzi kind of takes you out of the match a little bit, but regardless, yeah. this was a great match. Uh, yeah, it was. From, from start to finish, again, hitting them right away and then mm-hmm. getting everything working the way it does to, to get the final blow off at the end, it was it was great. And yeah. and I, I really am excited to see what this women's tag team division has in store because there's some good teams that we can stop watching. And please learn from the main roster. Or learn from Raw and SmackDown. I hate saying main roster. Learn from Raw and SmackDown. Do not involve Raquel Gonzalez or any women's champion in these tag team divisions. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. I agree. Moving on from one half of the way to the other half of the way. John Gargano. John. Versus Bronson Reed. The colossal Bronson Reed. Now there's one thing, and this is just me being a film nerd. On Bronson Reed's entrance, I've never noticed this before, but when he hits the ring and he does that like claw thing mm-hmm. and does his stomp, the camera shakes a little bit. Yeah. They do it like he's like a Godzilla character, and I, yeah. I've never noticed that before. And yeah. it's such a nice little subtle touch that just adds yeah. to his character. Exactly. I love it. I love it. Now, trivia question for you. Johnny Gargano always comes out as a superhero in his dress-up or a supervillain. What supervillain was he this week? So, I don't know, but I have a guess, and I'm probably very wrong. It's not some version of Iron Man. It is some version of Iron Man. It is a version of Iron Man. I got that based off of the chest emblem. Yes. It's It's Iron Monger. So, if you watch Iron Man 1... At the end of the oh, movie. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's it Iron is. Monger. Yes. So that was his superhero because, get up. Because Candace came out as a super superhero too, but I didn't. I couldn't figure out who she was. Well, if you've been watching their Instagram the whole time, they've been doing like those super those super family vignettes where they do yeah. like the artwork and stuff. So they've all been dressed up from, uh, I don't know why they make an Austin Theory wear a muscle suit. The kid's jacked ass it. Yeah. <laughs> He looks yeah. weird with a muscle suit on. But they're doing like the super family Fantastic Four thing. And yeah, they both came out as superheroes in the uh, in the vignettes and stuff like that. So yeah. yeah, Ironmonger is who he came out as because he has to be a villain. Yeah. Because remember, he's come out as he's come out as Iron Man. He's come out as Wolverine when he was doing his he's little Spider-Man heel turn. Stuff. He's done Spider-Man. He he's done Venom. Venom. When he was doing the heel turn against Alistair Black, he was wearing Venom. Mm-hmm. So he always comes out in some form of a superhero, which I love watching. I, I just yeah. love it. I love his, his gear little call out. He's come out as Joker. 
You yep. said Joker gear. Mm-hmm. Um, so was Rey Mysterio. If we yeah, to shout out I there. remembered. I remember his Joker gear. That was WrestleMania 25 when he beat JBL for the Intercontinental yep. Championship when JBL quit WWE. Mm-hmm. I remember that. So on to the match. Gargano versus Reed. In-ring psychology, once again. Mm-hmm. Gargano did not have the speed to go against Reed, did not have the size to go against Reed, and did not have the strength to go against Reed. So what did he do? He centered on a body part. He kept attacking Reed's stomach and his core. Mm -hmm. He hit that slingshot spear. And typically when he hits that, he folds his opponent in half. But he kind of bounced off Reed, but hurt him. Mm -hmm. Because if you'll notice, Reed had started like really wincing in the stomach area. Then he threw Reed into the table, stomach first. Mm -hmm. And it just, he kept building against that stomach and building against that stomach and building against that stomach and building against the core and just kept hitting it and hitting it and hitting it. And and continued to get out of the way when Reed went for the tsunami and for the the moonsault. Moonsault. Or this corkscrew moonsault splash kind of thing. He continued to get out of the way and having Reed continue to hurt that core area exactly which is extremely important for power moves yep and that is the base of power moves and that was a, again in-ring psychology from johnny gargano which again he's a great in-ring psychologist not the best one we're going to talk about tonight but a great in-ring psychologist and i mean reed hit him with everything he had and i actually saw a pretty interesting comparison about this match to another gargano feud people are comparing this match to gargano versus Andrade Philadelphia mm-hmm. because it ended a lot of this a lot of the same elements that were happening in that match to build the face Johnny Gargano happened in this match for Bronson Reed mm-hmm. so they after kind of like reviewing both those matches and looking at them again there's a push coming for Reed a big push coming for Reed like a North American championship push coming for Bronson Reed. Yeah, I can I see just, it coming. I just am wondering at which takeover he's going to take it off of Gargano. Is it takeover or is it... It's going to be a takeover. NXT, Gar- I was going to say, is it NXT's debut on Tuesdays? No, 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 no. no he's not going to take it off that soon. It, you don't they think? Need to, they need to build this a little bit more. A little bit more. They need a little bit more out of this. Valid. Fair enough. Moving on to Karrion Cross versus Finn Balor. And there is the greatest in-ring psychologist in the world today. Finn, Finn Balor. Balor. Not even... Cl- Vault is great. Vault is an A. Finn Balor is an A++. Yeah. Okay. Finn, the entire time leading up to this battle with Cross, kept saying, hey, listen... The difference between you and me is I can control my rage and I know how to harness it and use it. You don't. Yeah. And, and all and Cross kept Cross saying. Cross came out in this match fueled out of control. with emotion. Out of control. And, and when Cross it be- kept, came, yeah. And Ballard- when push came to shove, mm-hmm. Cross kept saying, my rage may be out of control, but my rage is going to take you out. And again, the storyline told us what happened. Bala controlled this match, and every time Cross kept getting frustrated, what did Bala do? He reversed it. He took his speed and put it against him. 
Cross hitting his shoulder against the ring post. Him then working that injured shoulder, getting cross matter and matter and matter. Oh my God, it was just so well told by these two guys. And then when Balor realized that Cross was starting to control himself a little bit, what did he do? He hit him with that mule kick that mm-hmm. he busted Kyle O'Reilly open with internally. And Cross's stomach was shot for another 15 minutes in this match. But who's the calming voice for Karrion Cross? Scarlett Boudreaux. Yes. And she started talking to him in tongues. And all of a sudden, he started just resonating with it. And you could mm-hmm. just see it start working on his face and working in his character. And then before you know it, he had that rage harnessed the way he wanted to. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't the last two forearms he hit Balor with. It was when he knocked Balor stupid and Balor looked dead on the mat when he was pounding him in the back of the mm-hmm. head with those forearms. That's when the match was done. Yes. That was when Balor almost had to be like, oh my God, there's really nothing I can do here. Like, he's starting to really harness mm-hmm. his anger and he is now focusing it right where he needs to focus it. He's now stronger than me, faster than me, and now he may actually have the wits about him to beat me. Yeah. And he did. Yep. New champion. The the era of the end is upon us. Yes, it is. TikTok, everyone's on the clock now. Mm-hmm. Moving on to my match of takeover. Of the entire event? Of the entire event. Okay. Unsanctioned, Kyle O'Reilly, Adam Cole. Holy shit. This match, unrivaled brutality. Now, don't get me wrong. Champa versus Walter was brutal. But this match had so much hatred fueling it. These two guys hated each other they probably still love each other in real life because they're best friends they've traveled the world together but in this match you could convince me that these guys actually hated each other's guts chairs chains tables stages toolbox steel steps you name it it was there Except uh, except ladders. But that's because that was earlier in the night. They ran out of ladders. Yeah. The point in the match that really sold me about these two and who was in the right and who was in the wrong, O'Reilly had Cole set up for a brain buster on the steps mm-hmm. the same way yep. that Cole put O'Reilly out. Yep. And O'Reilly second-guessed himself for a second and didn't mm-hmm. do it. Yeah. And Cole reversed it. And hit him with a big move. Not even two minutes later, they're on the announce table. O'Reilly did not flinch. Mm-hmm. Put him right through that table with the brain buster. At that point in the match is when O'Reilly's switch flipped in his head. And it all became about, I'm just going to destroy this guy. Yeah, because O'Reilly was holding back. He's like, this guy's oh, my best friend. Just a little bit. It's my best friend. I don't want to hurt him. Yeah, I, I, but then- I just want to beat him. I want him to understand that he's wrong. Yeah. And but then, then when that flips, that switch flipped, it was, that was it. Donzo. That was 
Gun- yeah, exactly. He's like, all right, fine. If, if I've got to use a chain, I'm going to use a chain. If I got to use a crowbar, I'm going to use a crowbar. If I got to use pliers, I'm going to use pliers. If I got to use a couple of chairs, I'm going to use a couple of chairs. If I got to put, if I if I've got to fight you on the ramp, I'll fight you on the ramp. If I got to throw you into this, I'll throw you into this. It didn't matter at that point, mm-hmm. and it, the ending showed it when he had Cole prone over the chair, and mm-hmm. it wasn't even like the chair was. Be- it, it was like the chair was folded open. And he knees him to the back of the head with the chain on his knee. Mm-hmm. After hitting a better last shot than Cole, I think, is hitting a long time. I know. That last shot was incredible. It was flush. Yeah, it was. Oh, but, I mean, that was the way, that was the exclamation point to put at the end of this entire event. Yeah. It was a great exclamation point. I have, for night two... I have the cross baller match slightly ahead of it. And as I told you before we started recording, the big thing for me was there was all these big spots. And I know it's a cold match and I know there's a lot of kickouts and cold matches. I get that. Mm-hmm. But to have a super kick get a near fall in this type of match kind of threw me a little off. That reminds me. I have, uh, I have an issue <laughs> because I thought fly slapping was illegal now. Yeah, I know. They were slapping the shit there out of their thighs. So much. It was in the Legato match. It was in the Gargano match. It was in the ladder match. It was in this match. There was so yep. much thigh slapping. I was like, all these guys are getting fined. Yep. They're going to have to give their game checks. Needless to say, I don't care. Oh, I'm fine with it. Trust me. I, I have too. no problem with it. I just am like, okay, Vince. If you're gonna say you, no more thigh slapping, fucking you know mean what, it. You know, you know what, you know what it is. Is they're all doing it like, what you gonna do? <laughs> yeah, I know. We're putting on the show of the week. WrestleMania ain't gonna touch, stand and deliver. I know, I know it's not. But alas, even though we do not think it will touch, stand and deliver, that does not change the fact that we will be recapping WrestleMania night one and night two this coming weekend into yes. Monday. We guys hope we hope you guys have enjoyed this show and this week so far in professional wrestling. There is m- still much, much more to come. Yes. Of course, if you guys did like what you're hearing and want to share it with a friend, we are available on Spotify and iTunes as well as your favorite streaming platforms. If you guys have any questions, comments, or concerns, or just want to hit us up with some ideas for the future, hit us up on social media at Double Doink Network on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Or you can fit, hit us up on our personal Instagrams. I am at DJ Ald and David is at Darlaufen Doink 508 underscores everywhere. And that wraps this episode up. This has been our longest episode in a while, but there was a lot to talk about. But this has been a Double Doink Network production. I have been Josh. I have been Dave. And we've got two words for you. Doinks out. Doinks out.